This week we have a special. And what I mean by that is I'm going to forewarn everyone listening to this episode to go ahead and strap on your seat belts, make sure your spacesuits have enough oxygen in it because we are about to take off. I share a conversation with Bruce, a dear friend of ours. And the conversation perhaps went a little bit like this. We talk about time, space, about the world being flat, and maybe a little bit about technology, maybe a little bit about some alien stuff in there, maybe not too much, maybe a little bit about Egypt and actually what's underneath it. So join me and Bruce on this journey to, let's just say, on this week, we're going to go a little bit uh, into the parallel ninth dimension, which is actually right behind the planet of Saturn. So strap in and enjoy this week's Aviome Experience podcast. I like I like the idea. I like the idea of calling you Mr. Bruce. Like I said, the agent of the Matrix. How are you doing, my friend? Good. Good, thank you. I, I want you to I'm we're jumping right into it because I want you to jump into the idea of what you were saying about the photo of the pyramids. Alright. So we was in the uh Amazon and we were down there uh for about a week in an eco lodge. It was pretty amazing. Um, we went on a journey, right? Utilizing the powers of ayahuasca, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what else would you go to Eco Lodge for with nothing? <laughs> <laughs> so we we uh, we were flying back out of the jungle, and my my wife the, my wife was sitting next to me. I was next to the window, and then there was a lady on the aisle row, and her and my wife got talking and. And uh, it was it was pretty amazing because I'm trying to read my book and I'm kind of catching little earshots of what's going on. Right, right. And all of a sudden, she she kind of catches my attention. I put my book down and I start really listening in. My wife's like, "Yeah, you really need to hear what's going on here." And we get talking. We're just on this whole like we start vibrating and we're on this whole roll of like aliens and mm-hmm. and UFOs and all kinds of cool stuff like that. And all of a sudden, she looks at me and she says. She says, I'm going to write this down. You need to get this book. Uh, something, Enoch, something something about Enoch. I I, I still have the paper, actually. Right, right. 2013. Well, yeah. And That's a she, keeper. Yeah, and then she she says, so you're from the star system Sirius. Do you know that? And I'm like, yeah, I've been told that many times. So All right. Yeah, so cool. let's just go ahead and start it off on the on, on the. So so she's, uh, she's talking about the uh, Egypt and the pyramids. And she pulls out her iPad. And she says, actually, I got some pictures I'll show you of what it's like over there. So she went to shove the iPad over to me. And my wife grabs it, pulls it back. She's like, what? She's like, 
what are what are all these beans in here? She says, how did you get those to be in that picture? She says, I took the picture. And she says, yeah, but how did you get all the beans to be in there? She says, they were just there. Right. And we looked at it, and there was, um, there was ancients. There was uh, like the, um, like the aliens, as you would, uh, you know, with the big bug eyes and all that stuff. There were giants. There was like all oh, so many different beings in this picture. I'm like, dude, this is like blowing my mind because, like, are all these beings? Uh, this is my thought. Are all these beings like here? at this time helping the humans out as they're going to visit Egypt and going to learn about Egypt and the pyramids or is everything happening right now? Like everybody says, there's no time and space. It's all now. Right. Are these just all overlaid on top of one another of now? And, but let me, so that's a, that's a great question, you know, a great thought, but let me ask you this. What purpose then would, you know, them helping us out? Like, what would be the purpose of them helping us out? What would be the purpose? We we wreck everything. We're humans. <laughs> right. But why would they need to help us? Why would they just not let us just, you know, just let us do our thing or whatever? Well, it, that's a question in my mind, too, because it, it says, even in the Bible, it says, you know, that they can't, nobody can help us. Any of these beings can't help us unless we ask for that. And I know there's a lot of people that are asking for it. I do every day. I'm like, dudes, come on down. Take me in your UFO. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, let's take a trip, right? Um, so, you know, I mean, they they could be, uh, some of them actually had like wheelbarrows and stuff. So it's like, were they in the process of building something? Right. And why would they need a wheelbarrow? I know. That's, that sounds so, uh, it sounds so old school, I guess, right? Dude, it was weird. If they can like levitate. What's in you? This thing about, you know, Egypt, and I know you're passionate about it. I know you're, you're going to get, you're ready to explore out that way. But what is it about Egypt that intrigues, you know, so, so many mysteries? Well, it's a mysterious place. I mean, we have these, we have these, um, well, quote, quote, 6,000 year old pyramids that are more like maybe 240 million years ahead of us, behind us. Right. Or yeah. both. Right. We were talking like, about that last night. Yeah. Right? We're, like, we're not sure. Like, they're they're kind of rotted, but they're, like, um, higher technology than anything that we have. Like, how did they get built? Right? Um, and they know that we can't even build anything these days. We don't have any technology or anything that are able to move the blocks into the place. So, you know, especially, you know, with the way they built it, with, you know, the, the weight. Of it. I mean, those things are what? They're stone. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, we have a, a, a planter, like a stone type planter here. And I think you and I were talking about this a while back. But there was like, a, there's a stone planter here. This thing like weighs 100 pounds. I think this thing's heavy. And it's just a small planter. Imagine that, you know, how they were able to move. And like you're saying, you know, and I've read this somewhere. We, we cannot, you know, we cannot duplicate that system without machinery, without computers for you know instruments to measure all these you know what we were talking about last night this mathematical perfection that they have and you know what technology were they using you know and we say you know the thing too about technology and and, you know many might not know or do know that you know i i am curious with technology 
But one of the things that I don't think we're curious enough on is the technology that doesn't need to be plugged in to an outlet. Exactly. You know, I think most people don't see fire as, as technology, a pencil as technology. The ones that the analogy I typically use is a branch for technology because, you know, to a, say a caveman or even older than that, you know, what that did was extend the reach of that person. And that is by definition, that's what technology does. It extends our reach. Sure. And I could only imagine, you know, the technology that they were using that we're, we're just maybe not ready for. I mean, you look at what we're doing with the technology now, you know, um, social media, look at what we're, how are you utilizing that technology now that we're becoming to a point, you know, there's a certain level of addiction, you know, that now, and this is just a basic level technology, social media, being able to connect with someone, you know, in a different, you know, side of the world in just a conversation or, or an emoji heart, you know, instantaneously, instantaneous, uh, conversations to be had. And I can imagine that in, I wonder what was the means of communication in Egypt? Yeah, I do too. I'm hoping to find some of this out. Right. When you, when you go there, uh, what about them? I'm going to, and I love it because we just, we, this conversation just go like in so many different places. If, so have, have you ever been abducted? UFO abducted? Have you ever been abducted? I don't know. You don't know? Because you wouldn't know. Maybe. <laughs> You're probably just, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, so, so as I watch these movies, I, 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 I've always thought to myself, you know, how did they create this? How did they come up with this idea yeah. like Star Wars and right. like Men in Black and all this stuff? Is this somebody's dream mm. or is it an actual vision of what's actually happening? And they're just playwriting it for us to, to know what's going on in the world or out of the world. And some of us, some of us are tuned into, well, maybe that's a possibility where more people are like, Oh, that was great entertainment. That was so great. It was, Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see the next one. It's like, no, I don't know, man. (laughs) Well, it can go in so many different places. Now when, so when I say the word, or, or if I, when I bring up the word illusion and the word reality, where do you draw that line and what is, what is what? I don't think anybody knows. So what's your theory? Um, my theory is kind of everything's an illusion. So nothing is real? Well, <laughs> so is it or isn't it, right? I mean, we can, we can obviously physically touch things. Like, you know, I can pinch myself and right. yell. Um, but is it, but it still, is it real? You know, I mean, when I, when I get into a dream state, Mm -hmm. I do real things in a dream state. I remember when I wake up and it's, it's like, wow, dude, it was like, I was really there. Or was I really there? Right. Was that, is, is that the reality? And this is my dream. Yeah. Like, which is which? No, there's a good one because even in my dreams, I, I remember getting hurt and, and feeling pain and different things like that too. And then wake up and it's like, oh, thank God that was a dream. Or was it? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know, or was that real and is this the dream? Yeah. Have you ever had a past life regression? I have had past life regressions. And what was that experience like? Uh, that was pretty trippy. So um, went on a, a shamanic journey through 
in into this past life and I was in a an ancient culture right so as I walk I walk kind of through this uh jungle and you can kind of tell it used to be a path and I get through this jungle and I I come out into this kind of openness and it's like this old ancient city that's all like um grown to like vines and trees and just jungle basically and all of a sudden within an instant all the jungle and the trees was gone and it was an operational city and there were people walking by and there were people you know in the little uh actually not saying stores but like little shops or whatever they're doing uh doing the city life right back in the ancient days <laughs> and uh as i walked through it was it was amazing cuz i could see like all the different buildings all the different shapes and then I come to the end of the town and there was like, um, there was a cliff and I could walk up to the edge of the cliff and I could see, and I could see the jungle below. And like, it was, it was super huge. Um, this big gap between us and the other mountainside. And just in that instant, when I turned back around, it was all jungle again. Mm. So it was pretty, pretty weird. Right. It's like, you know, <laughs> having multiple visions of, of, like progressing through multiple visions of, of, of a life of an energy. Yeah. It was like, it was like seeing every aspect of that timeline mm-hmm. of when that culture, you know, had grown, expanded and then went to dust again. So now have you ever, now were you able to see yourself? No, actually, no, I, I, I was me seeing everything. So I, I wasn't reflecting back and seeing me like but, watching a movie, but, no. but well, yeah. Oh, well, no, it was like me living, right? Like me living you're... my every everyday life. Um, but I do have a feeling that I was more of like the Asian culture, or like a monk, or something like wearing a robe, yeah, something yeah. along that lines. Does that appeal to you? That that culture? Oh yeah, big time, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I I feel like I've been there before, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting you say that because I'm the same way. I you know my thing is the samurai stuff i'm so in love with that samurai stuff the the their code Shing. yeah the honor <laughs> the movies the sword i mean even um what was it geishas geishas mm-hmm. i mean infatuated with that lifestyle there you know the way that they took it to an art level which i mean when you look at it now you know people say well it's just prostitution but but for them or at least how i see it is was it was such an art form it wasn't like, you know, you know, $20, let's do this. That's a whole other level. But the geisha thing was like a performance, you know? So just that whole culture, dragons, especially that, that type yes. of dragon stuff. You, you like, did you, what's your, do you have a favorite color dragon? Uh, not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> all of the above. Because I know they all represent something. I mean, I've always, I like the, like the red and orangey type. But I think also, I'm also infatuated with kind of like the quote unquote fantasy style of dragons too. So I know the Asian dragons are a little bit more elongated, where the fantasy dragons are more like bigger and, you know, claws or whatever and wings and all this other stuff. And I'm more into that level. But, you know, going back though, is there a past life connection, if any, that you have with Egypt? Or is it just something that, you know, you're just going to explore well according to people that i've talked to psychics mediums you know people of that nature 
um, they've, they've all told me, well, actually me and my wife, that we've had many lifetimes in Egypt. Um, we've had many lifetimes together, uh, just us two, but, you know, we've been in Egypt a lot and they said that we were there at the times that Jesus was born and, and walked the earth. So that probably has something to do with me having such a, um, a strong, um, energetic connection. Like I, I, I almost feel like I can feel Jesus like a brother. Right. Right. So, right. It's, so it's pretty cool like that. And that's pretty close too. Yeah. Now, have you ever been there before? I've never been to Egypt. And, and, and you're, and you're going to go there. So, yeah, I, uh, I took this training, star magic training with Jerry Sargent and, uh, learned how everything's possible because we know it is really. Um, what do you mean by that? Everything's possible. Everything's possible. Okay. Right. But, but what do so, you, so how do you create? So in reality, we have the idea of, well, that's not really possible. You know, how, how could I afford that? How, right. you know, I, I have only got this job, blah, 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 whatever. But ever, if everything's possible and you know that the universe is going to deliver, because the universe is always, um, I don't know if I want to use the word conspiring, on our behalf, right? right? It's always working to make things happen for us when we ask for it. And so, so the Bible, so I'll take it back this far. The Bible is an amazing book, right? So I've read this several times and I've, I've, I've read the parts that aren't necessarily preached so much. Ask and it will be given. Ask and it will be given. Believe that it's going to come to you. Ask and it's given. So it's as easy as that. Anything's possible. Ask, believe. The universe will make it come to you. You don't have to worry about how it's going to come. Just believe it's going to come. The universe will make that happen. And I'm sure you've had these experiences in life. You're like, wow, I didn't really, like I, I knew, but I didn't really see how that was going to come together. And uh, I found throughout the last few years that that's even more and more possible. Well, through through the Star Magic training, he's like, you know, I, so I was working on this client and, uh, you know, I was kind of went in and, and, uh, into this meditation and I see this like poison dart frog come up and he's like, what does this have to do anything? And then the <laughs> syringe come up and it's like, what's that have to do? <laughs> right. So he's like, so I put this poison, poison in the syringe and then I injected it into the client and the client was basically healed from whatever he was working on at that point. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. So during the training, I was like, okay, how, how can I um, show me something about this um, person that I don't already know? Like, show me how I can um, assist because we don't ever heal. Even though we're quote, quote, healers, we're not, I understand that I'm not doing the healing. I'm the facilitator of that. You know, I'm the, I'm the reality version of universe coming through and doing its work. So uh, as, as I go into the meditation, I'm, I'm asking this, uh, show me something I don't already know about this person and how can I help to facilitate the healing in this? I see a marshmallow come up and I'm like, <laughs> what am I going to do with a marshmallow? Right. Not like the Ghostbuster marshmallow. Right. Stay puff marshmallow, <laughs> right. Man, right? No, it's just, it's, it's this marshmallow. So I'm, so I'm looking at this marshmallow. I'm like, what am I to do with this marshmallow? And then I see a picture of this person's back and I'm like, what? I'm like, what do I do with the marshmallow? 
So I'm like, and I could kind of see like this redness. So I took the marshmallow and I jammed it in to the redness and I just jammed it in like around <laughs> and it just kind of like melded into the, to the vertebrae and such. And I'm like, well, that's really weird, but whatever, you know, whatever. So, you know, and, and we did our uh, facilitating when I got done, you know, the next day she says, I don't know what you did to my back, but you know, I've, I've had surgeries, I've had back problems. I've had all this issue for all these numbers of years, 15, 20 years, whatever. Just, I woke up this morning and my back has never felt this good ever. And I'm like, dude, I found a marshmallow. Yeah. Did you you tell her that? Yeah, I did. Actually, (laughs) I'm like, this is going to sound crazy, but anything's possible. So then I started to become a believe, like like a firm believer in that. I'm like, whoa, dude, that's just trippy. Oh, yeah. I mean, after you stick a marshmallow, I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's no holding back. And, uh, you know, so when we was in this uh, facilitator training, we did a number of um, meditations, like uh, like pretty much most of the training was meditations. Um, and we did a cacao ceremony. So, you know, a little bit about, you know, you had a little experience with that. Right, but why don't you explain for people who've never had that or experienced or heard of it. Cacao is, (laughs) it just is. Uh, So cacao is the, um, it's an opener for the heart. You know, that's why uh, Valentine's Day is celebrated with a big heart shape full of chocolate, right? Um, Because it goes to the heart. The uh, cacao ceremony is a spiced or amplified cacao to go in there and open up even greater um, energetically as well as physically, uh, mentally allowing you to be open to the new possibilities or, or endless possibilities, really. Um, so when, when we do a cacao ceremony, we'll go in and um, we'll all come together. We'll, we'll take the cacao, whether it's either in um, like chunks, bite, uh, you know, for, for eating or drinking, which is um, pretty much preferred. But uh, you know, we, we sit in ceremony, we put our intentions into this, and then that allows us to go into whatever we're going into next. Um, for us in the Star Magic training, we went from cacao ceremony into holotropic breath. Oh, wow. That even sounds interesting. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> so the holotropic breath work is, is it's an opener. Um, you can get into uh, altered states with the power of breath. So you don't even really need the plant medicines or any type of hallucinogenics. You can actually get to that state with breathing on its own. So the holotropic breath work, we did a, a, an hour's worth of that. And the, the breath work that we did was like, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> right. Like, like really just. So imagine doing an hour of that. Oh, I can't. <laughs> oh, it's altered. It's altered. And wow. then from there, then we went into another meditation. So you can imagine now you're already altered from the cacao. Now you're, you're like super amplified from the holotropic breath. And now we're going through a meditation. So now this is when we jump in our Merca buzz and we buzz away into Never Never Land. <laughs> right. Oh, that's in, that sounds intense, dude. Merca what? What's well, a Merkaba? Yeah, well, yeah, that too. But I mean, one, two, three. I mean, and right. it's, but what is that? A Merkaba? Yeah. So it's said um, in the Indian culture, the Merkaba is a, um, it's a figure where you have a uh, 
three-sided triangle that points down, a three-sided triangle that points up, and they come together. They they um, fuse or whatever. They fuse, just, yeah. yeah. They fuse together, and they create this star-like structure. And they say that this is a vessel for traveling, right? So it's... Is it like a passenger ticket? Right? So you, like, jump in this little thing, and you, like, buzz away. But in a meditation... This is this is our vehicle that allows us to travel, um, astral travel, and and to take off and to to go into other realms when we're we're in that place, right? We're in that meditation, and I actually had this happen in a stand up meditation, which this is trippy too, and this was under uh, Jerry Sargent as well. So we're we're standing up, we're with a partner, and he takes us into this meditation, and in this meditation. I go into my partner's Merkaba into her star mm-hmm. star chamber, <laughs> and we buzz away, right? We buzz out into this other planet. I can right. see us coming through like the clouds, and mm-hmm. we come down, we land, mm-hmm. and and we jump out of this Merkaba. I'm like, man, where is this? And she's like, yeah, check this out. So she calls in this unicorn. This uni- white unicorn comes flying in, kind of like you know, kind of a golden shaped uh, horn. She jumps up on it. She's like, come on, man. So we jump up on it. We go to this like city and she's showing me like this, uh, the city from afar. Cause we, I guess we weren't really allowed in there. It was dangerous for whatever reason. And we spent some time there and then she's, she calls for the unicorn. Well, this time a black unicorn comes in. Oh, so wow. we jump on this black unicorn, come back to her Merkaba, their starship. Yeah. Hmm. Starship. Right. And we fly back and we come out of this meditation. And this was like an hour long. Wow. And we're standing. How does that happen? I, I don't know. That's what I, <laughs> I had to ask. I was like, Jerry, how does that work? And he's like, oh, well, they come in and they'll support you while you're in this. So they'll, they'll support you. And, you know, they'll lock your legs up and, and hold you in that stillness. And I'm like, dude. Like, why didn't I just fall? <laughs> right, right. It's like they just freeze you and then they like, it almost like a car. Yeah. It's like you're parking a car. Yep. You know, you park a car, you expect the car to be back when you get there, even though you're not in it anymore. You park your vehicle, you put the kickstand down and boom, there you go. Well, the cool thing is, is when I was relaying back to my partner, what had happened, she had pretty a similar kind of experience. I mean, it was just kind of all like... man it's super cool (laughs) like so then i started thinking well was that real Mm. or was that a vision or is this a vision is this a dream is life but a dream or is my dream but life what come on so anyways going back to egypt so i don't even remember where we're going with that but going back to Egypt, so I'm, I'm Because of going. this training, the training is what is leading you or has is led, led the path for you to go to Egypt, right? Yeah, or so Jerry, Jerry is actually holding uh, the whole um, Egypt tour. So we're going to be going there in March with Jerry, and it's going to be like a 10-day experience flying into Egypt, and then we're going to do some stuff there, and then we're going to jump on another jet, fly somewhere else, and then we're going to come down this river and check out like all these different mystery schools. I can't tell you what they are. They're a mystery <laughs> right. to me right now. Right, right, right. Um, hopefully to find out, you know, um, a little bit more of the evolution process of myself. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to come back into Egypt to the pyramids, uh, 
which he's going to take us on some epic journey through the pyramids and you know, I'm going to pack my didge cause I'm going to take that. And, and yeah. And I, and I want to talk, I want to talk about, about that, about, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you're a musician. I want to talk about some of your instruments, some of your sounds. Sure. But before we go there, I want to then go back to the, you know, again, conversation we we're having last night somewhat. And you mentioned this earlier, you know, about, you know, time, you know, future, past, present. And, you know, one of the things that we were talking about was the idea that I believe, you know, just, just my belief. And we talked about this last night was that, you know, Egypt, we see the things that happened in the quote unquote past. And I was saying that it was a, a conscious blip on the radar where it, it remains that we were able to capture that consciousness and, and document that consciousness and so because we captured it and we say it was the past, we think it's the past, it's older, they didn't know as much as we know because we're in the quote-unquote future. And, you know, my uh, belief is that that actually was a glimpse of the future and that is the future and it was photographed, so to speak, and, it's, and that actually is the future. And that, you know, we're, and so that this is kind of like the past, but then there is no past and future, right? So we're just talking about just time stamps, so to speak, and there's no such thing as time either. But that we're able to calibrate these te- these these stamps and see that what happened in Egypt and the fact that we can't duplicate any of that without machinery only makes my quote unquote argument even more stern in my own belief system that that was the future because if it was the past we would be able to to improve upon it um, or, or duplicate it and improve upon it you know like other things that we're able to by you know common sense. There's some things like TV, we're able to improve upon it. We're able to make it better, right? Uh, we're able to get more channels better. We're able to communicate better. So there's forms that have, have done that, but then there's other things that we have not been able to do. And if you look at it, and I'm just, I just, it's just kind of glimpsed into this, into my knowing, just our talking communication. And, you know, we keep on saying, you know, Things that we know are improving. We know it's okay. That was the past. This is the present because what we have is quote unquote better. And then I'm, you know, as I was saying that I was looking at communication and then I'm thinking, is communication better? And I'm thinking, no, actually communication seems to be getting worse. The way that we can communicate is easier, but are we communicating better? And I'm thinking, no, we're not. So then that tells me that communication is the way it was. I don't know if it's a future device or a past device, but I know our way of communication is intuition and intuition doesn't require language to be spoken or words to be said. It just is, you know, we just come, we hug. And in that hug, we've said a full day's worth of conversation. Agreed. Nothing else needs to be said. How interesting would that be? Well, you know, we could take this topic. Let's go many avenues. <laughs> we can, and we'll bring it back. We'll go all over. The, the The first thing you have to understand is like you know when when I was learning to um to deal with public to uh you know to to help lead public in in certain directions. What I learned was, oh yeah, like you said, the, the communication, it's so much easier. It's freer. Like we have all these avenues to really communicate with people. And what I've seen happen over the years is, yeah, the communication has come faster. But like you said, 
it's gotten worse because now instead of picking up the phone and saying, yes. hey, Chris, man, you want to go get a pizza? Right. We pick up the phone and we use our thumbs. Hey, good pizza. No. Pizza. Oh, he's mad. Oh, crap. Now we don't now we don't have that physical touch with people anymore. It's all become electronic. And in electronics, especially when there's retrogrades going on, especially energies like you keep on jacking up that microphone. Right. <laughs> so so the communication can get out of whack and especially if I don't see somebody's face, even even my wife, she'll send me text sometime and I'll be like, "What? Are you mad at me? <laughs> well, what's going on?" And then and then we start getting this heated argument, and it's like, wait a minute. And she's like, oh, no, I was just over at the mall. Whatever. You know, it's like communication gets so blurred out because we don't have that connection. We, we've, we've got um, high-speed communication, but we have no connection. Oh, I like that. So I, say, I, I say, can't, say, say that again. Say that again. We have high-speed communication, mm-hmm. but no, no connection. connection. I can't see the person. I can't feel the person. Like there's, I can't hear the person. So there's no tone in these words. These words could be simple. Hey, you want to go get a pizza? And it, you know, it come out in a text or a Facebook or, oh, I was really offended by that. It's like, oh, I, I just, you know, you really inspired me. Well, you need to take my name off that. It's like, oh, I've had this happen. (laughs) That's why I'm using that. I'm like, Dude, but you really inspire. Take my name off that. You make me feel like a criminal. Whatever, whatever it was, you know. It's like, oh man, dude, really. But sitting face to face, it's like, hey, this is this was my thought process. Oh yeah, I know, I know. I just, you know, yeah. You can just you can talk. <laughs> you can clear the energy out. Right. And so you know, and obviously, you know, you're passionate about sound. You know, obviously, as a musician. Love it. And so what's, let me ask you this then, what for you is the difference between saying, for example, what's the difference between saying I love you and then playing the sound of I love you? What's that difference to you? Oh, that's intense. Right? saying i love you it has a vibration every well let's let's break it down this way let's do that frequency yes everything has a frequency right everything has a vibration everything runs on certain wavelengths we know love is a certain wavelength now i've known people to say love but not act love not be love my name is love but dude you're not love Right. right. I mean, you know, you, you know what I'm saying there? Like, like love is an expression. Love is a vibration. And you can, again, you can say that 
and it carries a vibration, but if the vibration of you doesn't match that, there's there's going to be some dissonance, right? Right, right, right. Um. So when I when I play, I I always tune in, and and the first foremost thing I do is pray that I get out of the way, and let spirit come through and do what it needs to do. So kind of what you said earlier, just being the facilitator, being the facilitator, the facilitator of whatever. I'm experiencing um, because basically I can only teach and I can only play and I can only do things from my, you know, my years on earth experience. I won't go into that. And my opinion of what I've had ingrained in me growing up or what I've learned and learned to change or learn to, and I'm still in the process of doing that every day. That's why I have an open mind. It's like, Dude, you blew my mind. Let's let's check that. Let's let's discover this. I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're right. I don't know who's wrong or right. What what's a lie? What's the truth anymore? It's like, but you can kind of feel your way through a lot of a lot of that. Um. So that's that's what I do. I I step in and and I just pray. Hey, you know, you, you guys just whoever's over there, light beings, aliens, whatever, you know, right. whoever's over there. For the best of all, channel through me and let whatever comes out in the name of love, in the name of healing, you know, let's let's start there and let's just see what happens. And um, so every time I pick up an instrument, a bowl or a didgeridoo or the gong, the mm. gong mostly. Oh, my gosh. The mm. gong is so powerful. Is that your favorite uh, sound? Didgeridoo is my favorite sound. Gong, me, me and the gong have a connection, um, and it's really hard to explain. They're like, you know, because I hear, oh man, you play the gong good. No, <laughs> no, sister, that ain't the way it happens. Right, the right, gong right. plays itself, and mm-hmm. I'm the facilitator of that. That's a 38-inch symphonic gong, and that's just a creation all right. on its own. Right, for sure. And when when I play that, so so as I play, and I start to play, and I I, I just kind of start to feel in, and I can start to um, create. So again, our tools, our instruments, anything that we use is just an extension of us, right? Right, right, right. So. I, it, it takes a few moments to meld into that, to allow myself to energetically connect with this being, the gong. And then the gong leads me to where it needs to be touched or moved. In last night's experience, I'm sure you've felt some highs, some lows. Oh, for some, sure. Some real crazy pitches and some real deep, like, you know, there's a, it's all ends of the spectrum with that. Right, right. And I want to stop you right there because it almost, last night, bringing up, talking about last night, I'm curious, I'm, and I'm glad that you brought it up because it just re- reminded me to ask you this. 
it almost seemed like you guys were having a conversation last night. That there was something happening. A conversation was taking place. And I don't know what that conversation was, but it almost sounded like the gong was conversating with you, like dropping some type of nuggets on you. And I just kind of felt that. And I'm wondering if, if that was kind of, I don't know if, you know, if that was the case or, if, or, if, or was, what was going on? That's basically, I guess I'm asking what was going on between you and, and the gong last night? Well, that's totally interesting um, perception of that because I, I, I don't necessarily feel myself communicating with it, although mm-hmm. on some level, I'm mm-hmm. sure energetically there's a communication, again, it leading me, it guiding me to to move to where it needs to be next. Because I don't follow it. I kind of follow a certain pattern to start to, to get the vibration to roll, to move, to get it to actually activate. Um, and then it just kind of, it'll guide the mallet to where it needs to move to. And even with all the different tones that come out of this gong, I never hit the gong any different. I, I, I just, I, I, I give it the same tap every single time. Right. And then it guides me to where it needs to go. Could be a cross, could be a circle, could be just down in this corner for a few, you know, wherever that is. And then, it can expand and sometimes it'll get so intense that I can feel my body starting to shake. And then sometimes it quiets right down, but I never hit it any different. Kind of, kind of follow me there. Yeah. Yeah. For so, sure. So it kind of does its own thing. It really plays me is what, what happens. But, uh, you know, they say, uh, some of the, some of the gong, the higher gong gurus in the world, they say gong is like God. It's the generator the um uh ah shoot that word went around my mind in the destructor the um so it so it can tear things apart oh organizer so the generator organizer destructor so it'll tear things apart Mm -hmm. somebody will come in with messed up energy and the gong will just be like oh until it can finally get that person to let its walls down to let the energy flow through. And then the gong takes on this whole new creation. And then it can start to organize, start to put things back together, get things flowing in the right direction. The generator of all this beautiful energy. So that's what like last night we said that you all are part of this experience. The energies that come in, if there's one person less or one person more, it's going to be a whole different experience. And I like that. And I never thought about, about that. And it is true. It's and it's so common sense, quote unquote. So it's so common sense for you to say that. And for, yeah, you're one person more, one person less will completely just change the experience, alter the frequency, vibrations and all that. And I never thought about that until you said it last night. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. That's intense. Yeah. 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 And so, but uh, and but but continue because I'm still curious about um, that that you know again that vibration that energy that conversation right. that 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 was happening. So so all the tools know all the instruments know what's going on and what's needed. And as we're drawn to an instrument, like as I started playing the didgeridoo, it started out pretty easy. But then as I started to move through the room, 
you know, it can start to constrict a little bit and it gets a little harder to play. And it's like, oh, come on. And then it'll break free. And it, which it really wasn't even bad last night. It was, we had a pretty good group of, of individuals last night. And you have two of them, right? Is it, is it? Oh, I've got a lot of didgeridoos. Oh, you do? Yeah. I just brought two. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually got three with me traveling, but I only brought two in for some reason. That was all I needed uh, last night. So, um, and as, as, as I played, you know, and, and got through the room, uh, you know, everything started free up and get easy. So the, typically I play the gong at, at the end so that it can just kind of finish flushing and washing. It's, I, I look at it like a, like a dish or like a um, clothes washer, right? So you have your cycles, you know, you have your didgeridoo, you know, you have the bowls, you have uh, yeah, different yeah. things. So I, I look at the gong kind of like, the spin dry, the final rinsing and spin dry. Yeah. And, oh, wow. I like that. And kind of, kind of like really flush over everything like a, like a big wave coming yeah. through. And then my wife plays the flute. She's so beautiful with this. Oh, yeah. So I love she, that sound. So too. she plays the flute. That's kind of like the, um, that would be like the um, delicate. Yeah. The, the, yeah that that cycle. Oh, let everything yeah. just. The the fluff. Yeah, the, the fluff. The, the air fluff. <laughs> I'm gonna make my pants fluffy. Yeah, the air fluff. So <laughs> um yeah, so in in when I when I got on the gong and I, I started to tap it like it just came alive. I was like, Oh wow, the energy's just already flowing so beautiful. I won't even have to be on here very long. It's right, like, right, right. Then I get lost in it and all of a sudden I look over and my wife's like, Okay, you're good and I'm like <laughs> How long have I? Been? I haven't even been here that long. <laughs> right. I, I don't I just know started. how long it was, but yeah, it wasn't. It didn't take very long, and it was, it was mm-hmm. all good. So, so what? Um, explain the didgeridoo. Like, where does that come from? I mean, what does it look like? And the different forms, I guess, of the shape of what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So, true story. <laughs> I don't know how true this is. This come through ancient legends. Um, it's said that the uh, the Aboriginals in Australia, right? So they would travel, and each night that they would stop, like they 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 would just travel. They didn't have like this is my house and all my stuff like we do. They would just walk about. That's how they got that terminology. At night they would stop. They would build a fire, and in the morning they'd put the fire out and they'd go on their walkabout again. Well, at nighttime they would stop. And when they they was out getting the all the firewood, this uh, one of the one of the people pick up a branch and they they kind of tapped it and they noticed it was kind of hollow and they was like, what, what's going on? This hollow thing and there's termites all running all over this thing. And it said that they uh, that he he took this thing and he scooped all the termites up and he he put them all into the inside and he stuck this thing up towards the sky and he blew them and that's what created the stars oh wow that's cool that's what i'm talking about so then he noticed that this made noise also so he kept playing into that and uh so that's kind of how the first didgeridoo they say was invented i don't it it has an interesting sound yeah so i've never heard a sound like that so what happens is the termites go in, they hollow it out, they hollow out a, a tree branch, and as you buzz into it, you, um, you know, you, uh, what do they call it, raspberry or whatever, 
I tell my grandsons because they ask, and I'm like, yeah, it's just like make fart noises and, you know. <laughs> right. So, uh, I mean, it's easy as that, just a lip vibration. And um, that goes through into all the little crevices, and that's what creates the different tones in each didgeridoo. They'll be, they'll have their own creation, their own tones, unless they're, you know, like mass produced, like PVCs or something like that. You're going to pretty much know what to expect with those. But when you get a tree branch, an original um, tree branch like that, that's termite hollowed, you're going to have, it's going to have its own little vibration. So it's, it's pretty interesting. And no, uh, and do no two ever sound the same? They can. Yeah, oh, they can. Totally. Yeah. I've, okay. I've got a, um, I've got a, a adjustable one. So it, it telescopes out a few different times. Um, I think there's three sections in that. And this was built by a man out of the UK, uh, Andrea Furlon. And this thing is made out of carbon fiber. So I was like, dude, I want a carbon fiber. I want to be able to travel with it. So this one all tears apart. And it's got three telescopes in it. So I can go from a low G to a high G. Got every note in between. So I can pick up and, and find any didgeridoo or any other tones and I can squish it or extend it out, and I can match that tone. So I can key in to pretty much anything out there. Maybe not in the same uh, octave, but I can get into the same tone, and it'll all sound good. So right. And so the one that so you you had the one of the ones you had yesterday looked like glass. Is it? Yeah, it's quartz crystal. So it's, wow. So it's almost a hundred percent pure quartz crystal. That was in the key of D. So it's. Geared for around the sacral, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. Um, sacral area, and uh, so it's cool when we do these when we do these um, sound healings. We we'll start to tune in. Things will start to come in a couple of weeks before, and it'll be like, take this, take that, take this. Right, right, right. Well, as we left home, we was like in kind of a hurry, and I'm like, man, I'm not sure what I'm going to need, so I just start jamming all this stuff into my car. <laughs> right, and then right. over the weeks of traveling, it's like, okay, yeah, like like take these two didgeridoos in. I I don't know why I don't ask. I'm just like, okay, I'll take them in. And sometimes I don't even use all the stuff that we bring, but we bring it anyway. So uh, yeah, so that's um, that's quartz crystal, and that come from crystal tones. Uh, and that that's a pretty powerful dig. The other one I brought was um, from Australia, and that's a eucalyptus uh, didgeridoo, and that's in an F sharp, and that's a concert quality dig. So that's a it's a super high quality didgeridoo, as you could tell how powerful and how right. how much more potent yes. that one was altogether. For sure, so, for yeah. sure. Now, what got you into into start playing that? Oh, so here's an interesting story. Um, yeah, because we haven't kinda, talked about not interesting yet. It's, so. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of kind of sad, but um, so all all through my life, I I would hear these sounds, and I'd be like, man, I wonder what that is. Like, like I've always been drawn to this like growling sound, but I I never knew. And we had um, we owned a yoga studio in California for uh, ten years, and back in I think it was like around twenty eleven, twenty twelve. Uh, this man come into our studio with one of our students, his girlfriend. And he's like, Hey, you know, I do sound healings. I'd like to do one here. We're like, Oh yeah, totally. You know, bring it on. 
So he comes in, he's got like all these tree branches and all these different, like all these things sitting around. I don't, I don't know anything about any of this stuff yet. And during the sound healing, you know, he's playing like uh, the hand pan, hang drum, whatever you want to call that. Uh, some different bowls and he's got like these little whistles and some native flutes and um, like frame drums and all this different stuff. And I've kind of got my eyes closed for most of it sitting up. And then all of a sudden I hear this, whoa, I was like, my eyes open. I'm like, that's it. That's that sound. What is it? And I'm watching him and he's like blowing through this great big stick thing. Right. And I'm like, oh my God. And he come and played it on me and I could just feel my whole body like shaking. I'm like, oh, wow. oh right. What is this? This is cool. Right. What? And I could just feel my excitement just like growing and from that point forward, I couldn't close my eyes anymore. I'm like, oh, no, yeah, I got to watch every move now. Right, this right, is right. cool. And he played like three or four of them, I think, that night. And, uh, of course, when he played, he plays, he's got rattles and like right, right. little bells and all got like all whole, this. Like yeah. it sounds like six or seven people playing around you in a band. It's so incredible. This dude was like mastery didgeridoo. And uh, so afterwards, his name was Rafael Bajarano. And afterwards, I says. Hey, Raphael, what, what is that thing you were playing? And he says, that thing right there? And I says, yeah. He was Mexican descent. He says, oh, that's a didgeridoo. And right, I'm like, right. didgeridoo, what is that? Right. Like, he kind of explained a little bit to me. And uh, I says, you mind if I try it? And he's like, oh, go ahead. So I grab this thing and I I stick it to my mouth and I goes, <laughs> like, <laughs> Ah, that one don't work for me. <laughs> right. like, I don't know anything about right, these right. things. This doesn't work. And uh, so we, we had him in many more times. We became really good friends after that. Um, we had him in several times to play, um, you know, do sound healings. And and it wasn't just a sound healing. Like, he'd take you on this journey. Like, he, he would tell stories of, you know, nice. back in the old days of the Mexican descent, you know, because that's where he's from. And he mm. would tell all these old, you know, like native stories and all kinds of cool stuff like that. And uh, I kept on him. I'm like, Raphael, you got to teach me how to play this didgeridoo. Like, I'm I'm super intrigued. Like, I I just feel like this is what I'm supposed to learn next. And uh, he's like, yeah, we'll get together. And like, we'd get together for different things. But, uh, you know, every time we tried to make time to do that, it was like our schedules were just like so like in the wind. And uh, we were on a trip in the Orca Islands and I get a call and he's like, hey, you know, I get the voicemail. Hey, I really need some help. You know, um, so I left a message on his answer machine. I was like, hey, you know, we're on. We're traveling. When we get back, I'll help you out. And you need to teach me the didgeridoo. And when we got back, it was we was back a couple of days, and my wife gets a voicemail, and like she just basically went to shit from that point. And uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> there it was. Um, and we uh, that's when we discovered that he was um, taking a tour over in Egypt. Uh, he he took a group of Mexicans over to tour the pyramids and all this, and he was murdered by the Egyptian government. Wow. So the story is that the Egyptian government um, mistook their caravan as the ISIS group, which oh, wow. I'm not sure how that happened exactly, because the um, the local authorities, the police, or policia, or policia, or however you say it over in Egypt, 
um, they were escorting this group. So somehow the police and the military were in com- were in communication. Right. Oh, Imagine wow. that. Imagine that. And so they opened fire on this caravan and they murdered several people, him being oh, one of them. Wow. Um, his mother was with him and she she got like some really bad burns and got a little messed up, but she's she's okay. Uh she survived. But uh yeah, just like all that just like um you know, it tore our world apart a little bit for a while. Oh, uh, hers, imagine. hers specifically because she was really in studies with him mm. uh for shaman, for becoming a shaman or or remembering her shamanic Correct. past. Correct. I guess I should say. And right after that, you know, after things started to kind of settle a little bit, I was like, you know what? Nobody's going to teach me. I have to just get one. So I ordered this cheap one off Amazon, like 40 <laughs> bucks, right? A little telescope and job. Right. I was like, yeah, I got it. Oh, great I gotta, deal. I got to have the best, cheapest thing that I can possibly get. <laughs> yeah, those two words shouldn't be said together. Right. Best and cheapest. Right. So I so I get this thing and I, 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 I get it. It arrives like, open it up. I'm sitting in my office and I pull up YouTube and, and I put this thing to my mouth and I'm like, (laughs) you know what? It it probably took me five, 10 minutes before I could actually make a sound. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So I I kept practicing and making the sound until I got the feeling of, okay, every time that my lips touch this, this is how it has to touch it to make the sound. So then I got to where I could blow through it through the breath blow through the breath, take a breath, blow through the breath. And then it was like, well, how do you keep this thing going? So I'm YouTubing, circular breathing. I'm like, okay. So I'm watching this guy and I'm trying to do what this guy's doing. I'm like, okay, I'm not really grasping this. I know it's easy. I know it's easy. It's just remembering how easy it is. Because that's how I felt, right? It's like, I know I've, in some other lifetime, I've played these things. And uh, so as I'm watching YouTube, all of a sudden it was like, oh, I get it. So it's a, it's not a circular breathing. So you're not like, it's because it's impossible to just breathe all the time in and out. So how do I, how do I create this pressure to keep the pressure on the didgeridoo while I'm taking it in breath? And that's what it is. It's pressurized breathing. You have to pressurize, take a big wad of air in your mouth, cut off the airflow from the throat to the mouth. So it's like holding water in your mouth and then spitting the water out. And then while you're doing that, you can breathe in, right? I mean, it's simple. We do this every day when we're eating. Right, right. That's, yeah, it's It's interesting. It's (laughs) simple. It's easy. It was just a remembrance. And once I caught that, it was like, Got it. Checking that box. So then I was able to do that. You know, and I'd start out like maybe a minute and a half, two minutes, mm-hmm. three minutes. And then, you know, I'm getting to like 10 minutes. And I'm like, woohoo, rock solid. I'm awesome. You're right. And I'm like, no, not really. Cause I should be able to play this thing theoretically indefinitely. Right. right. So yeah, it just took uh, practice. You know, I just, I focused on a half hour every day. Every day, regardless, hour most days, but at least a half hour to practice. And then, you know, it just came to where I could sit there for hours and hours on end just playing and, you know, then learning all the different like bird calls and. Right. And then trying to. So you try to mimic those those sounds? Yep. Yep. So like a bird in nature, you know, like that. So you just 
put that through it and, you know, keeping the vibration and learning how to do the vocals, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll even do some like Tibetan toning through it. I'll, I'll do like just a simple, sometimes I'll be like didgeridoo, didgeridoo, didgeridoo. Right, right, right. right, (laughs) So I say all kinds of crazy stuff, but the, the animal sounds, you know, like the uh, kangaroo. Right, right. Just trying to mimic this, those, those, that sound. So nature is obviously playing its core its chorus yeah and so it's just trying and not, i don't say the word trying but it's hearing what you're hearing and then you know expressing that sound through that instrument right and then the instrument is then speaking you know okay this is what i hear you saying and this is what i'm gonna say based on what you're saying and it emits this sound true so the Aboriginals, this is how they did it. They they would tell a story, and I would imagine it would be a story of their journey, maybe through the day or maybe just uh, a journey of their ancestors, but they would tell stories through the didgeridoo with the different sounds. And when you can tune into that, you could be like, oh, yeah, so they were like, they they marched across and then, you know, they came across kangaroos. or You know, I, I, I can't even imagine being in that state mm-hmm. as an Aborigine, but, you know, I it would be interesting. And so now you're taking this. And the reason why we're bringing this up is because you're taking this with you to Egypt and you're going to be playing it. Yeah. I'm going to levitate something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So, so the cool thing that I've learned through the power of sound is um, like Dr. Moto, you know, he, he can take water droplets and and shape them into different shapes and then there's um, different people out there that can take and levitate. They're finding that they can levitate water droplets mm. with the power of sound. Right. Um, the Coral Castle. Yes, in Florida. We've been to it. AV and I went to it. Right. It's intense. Right. And then when, you know, supposedly, right, they would, uh, you know, the, the truck or whatever would pull up and they'd say, just come back in 10 minutes. And next thing you know, they'd come back and the big giant thing would be moved off the truck into an area They would look around and they would say, how'd you do that? And he just, he would never give the answer. Right. Well, that's because he had 17,000 pulleys and 400 miles of rope. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. No, (laughs) no. He knew something that we didn't know or something that's been withheld from us or something that's been forgotten. I don't think it's been forgotten. I'm just going to be straightforward. I think the military complex Mm. knows these things. Yes. I 100% agree. I mean, think about like the FCC. Well, you can't go on these channels. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a reason that a radio station on an FM band goes from 88 to uh, 107.9. Right. And right, there's right. different stations throughout the world that use different bands, but there's different frequencies that are banned. Right. Through the FCC. Why is that? That's a great oh, question. Right? Yeah, that's question of the century right the, we, why is it because we can't are we not ready to hear what they have to say on say station 5005 or is that frequency a frequency of levitation oh or are the aliens communicating with us through i mean there i mean we could go a thousand avenues there too but why why are there so many secrets that are withheld from us as a society right so then how was this secret, how are these secrets discovered and then how are they hidden? Well, I mean, somebody has to know something, right? At some level. 
Right. Well, some people are going to let that stuff out eventually. Right. I can't wait. I like the levitation thing, especially, you know, 5,005, all of a sudden you tune into that station and you start levitating. And is it that impossible? And, you know, logically in a mind that's fixed to this reality, that doesn't make sense that I do 5,005 and I'm levitating. Logically, it doesn't make sense. But that's because logically we created like this thing, this world we feel is real and it doesn't make logical sense that I can just levitate by dialing something to 5,005. But like you're saying, if station 5,005 is nothing more than a sound frequency, then why could it not levitate it? And obviously looking at things like the pyramid, the coral castle, that was done, you know? Well, more, more than looking at how we can't, how we wouldn't be able to believe that, mm-hmm. it's more of looking at our programming. Mm. And I always found it interesting, a lot of interesting stuff from the older generations. That's why I spent so much time as, as a child with older generations instead of kids my own age, because right, right, right. I learned stuff from these people. Right. Like my grandma, she used to talk about the television. What program are you watching? I always found that interesting. Why would oh. she call that a program? Right. That's, yeah. Because it's programming. That's, that's what they call it. In school, they have programs. In seminars, they have programs that they follow. Right. So we're, right. so this comes to the whole brainwashing thing that we were discussing earlier. Well, what is brainwashing? It's anything that is putting into your mind. It's anything that's going into your brain that's maybe getting you to think or maybe getting you to sway a different direction. Well, I'm Democrat. I'm Republican. No, I'm a human being. I, I don't have nothing to do with any of that stuff. And we won't even go into politics. There. <laughs> right. But just the whole idea of, of the brainwashing, though. Well, it, it, it's got to be this way. It's always been this way. And this is the way that it has to be. Why? Well, because that's the way it's been. Okay. But why does it have to stay that way? Why does this rock have to stay here? Why can't we move the rock over here where, where it will look pretty, it'll be functional and helpful? Because it's always been there. So the schools program us a certain way. Go to school, get good grades, go to college, get a, get a safe, secure job, mm-hmm. and that'll take you to the rest of your life. Right. Success. That's, that's, that's the antidote for, or yeah, that's, the, that's success. I want to be successful. So the, what do I have to do? Well, that's not my idea of success. That's my idea of being in an archaic um, route to slavery. The new age Because as you go into that, you go into college, you're most likely going to have debt. Oh, for sure. You have to get a good, safe, secure job to pay that debt off. And then you have to utilize your money that you don't have. So you use credit advanced money right so you you said you don't have credit and then you have to worry about your monthly payments well i can afford that car because it's only x amount a month and then what happens if your job goes away or whatever so you're always enslaved to that to us yes to that way of being and again interesting enough hanging around the older generations I learned that I don't buy things in advance. Mm. So I would save. I would drive a junk car and I'd save and I'd just pray to God that this car would make (laughs) it until I got enough to buy my next car. 
And that's how I just advanced myself forward that way. So I don't, I don't subscribe to that way of thinking. Right. I love I've that. I've been brainwashed a different way to right. believe that I don't live in debt. Right. Right. You wash, you washed your brain. I washed my brain. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up for me. That's, has been, I would say, and I'm going to say two years. Uh, no, no, I'm going to say that's a three year for me. It's a three year system. That's new. It's a new brainwash system for me. Cause I never used to think like that. My, yes, I was in debt. You know, I was, you know, I want to buy the latest and greatest. And, you know, I was programmed like you were doing, um, like you were saying, um, you know, and marketing has been, you know, the marketers are getting super smart. I mean, obviously they're doing it again, social media, they're doing it in games. You don't get this 99 cent, you know, Smurf, you know, pair of sneakers for 99 cents on your video and your game and app purchase app, you know, and then you times that by you know, millions of people playing that game, you know, games like, and weird statistic, I think it was, uh, I know it was Fortnite for sure, but you know, like Fortnite and even the Pokemon Go at the time were making like a million dollars per day, you know, per day. Right. Now their expense was like maybe 400,000 per day, but then they were making, you know, $600,000 in profit per day. It's just insane how much, you know, going on that rabbit hole, but no, you're right. And you know, I had to readjust my, my brainwash system because I had fallen victim like so many do, you know, whether it's a victim or not into the ideas of the marketing and the programming and you're doing it in a way that it's not as, um, it's not in front of your face. Oh, it's subtle. Oh, it's so subtle. Well, think, uh, here's a, here's a great example of how we're already starting to program children from such a young age. We take them to the video, uh, video games, the arcades, uh, arcade, or as my grandson calls it, arcave. (laughs) I love him so much, but you know, we take, we take the kids there, they play games. It's fun. Like we, we love to take them there and just let them have a ball, but they get these little tickets, these little coupons, right? They get these little tickets. Oh my God, I got all these tickets. I got like, oh man, I've got like Like, two, I've I've, I've got like (laughs) rolls and rolls of those 90 tickets. (laughs) Right. Yeah, those 90 tickets. Uh, I'm not focused on the tickets. I mean, we spent like, you know, $30, $40 in the arcade to let them have a great time, right? Yeah. To play games and just have fun. They got 90 tickets out of it. Right. <laughs> what do you get as a prize for 90 tickets? Uh, a plastic whistle. <laughs> well, yeah, he got a rubber rubber ball and a pencil eraser. So we're already teaching him that, you know what? You spend all this money, you get nothing. And this is just the way that it's going to be. This is, this is your programming. And every time I go up there to the counter, I'm just like, man, I look at some of these prizes and it's like, holy cow, you can get like one of those little, uh, um, those little hover things. What do you call those <laughs> deals? The, little, the, 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 what you mean? The hoverboard things? No, the little, uh, oh, the little helicopter thingies. Yeah. A drones. Drones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can get a drone for like, I don't know, 7,000 tickets. <laughs> 7,000 tickets. Right, you, right. You, start, you start doing the math and you could have like a mansion. Right. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was just telling a friend of mine, actually this week at work, I was telling a friend of mine, uh, we got into this conversation and I said the same thing, how he was a smoker and he had to buy the cartons. And I, this was a thing, you know, I don't know, Winston used oh, to I, do this. Oh, I played that game with Marlboro. <laughs> right. And you send in like, you know, I don't know, he had to send in like, you know, 200, 
boxes or 200 cartons and he got some kind of weird jacket or something like that. And um, I had shown him <laughs> that on, on eBay, that same jacket that was selling for like 10 bucks or something like that. Like you could have gotten this jacket for $10 instead. You send in 200 cartons of say, you know what, 60, 70, $80 per carton and you get this jacket back, you know, so you paid like, you know, what, over a thousand dollars for a jacket that's ten dollars on eBay. <laughs> one, one and a half lungs later, you get a <laughs> right. Zippo lighter with their own logo on it. Right. With the little cowboy. And it's hat. not even a real Zippo. I always thought the, <laughs> <laughs> right. I always thought those things were, were weird. And then they also going back to the programming. And I always thought this was interesting, too, that, you know, as you're going through school, you're programmed. And right. If you if you fail, you know, if you fail a class or whatever. F, you know, failure. Don't don't get me started on the fail thing. And then, oh, here we go. I'm curious to see what you're going to say, because then F, you know, then we do it in red, you know, big, you know, big circle around the F. And so we're thinking, you know, you just failed. So it's, you know, we're fail and then fear, you know, starts with an F and then we're afraid to fail. You know, we, that's why we don't take that risk. Like you're saying, like, I don't want to follow the norm. I want to I don't want to go into to this debt or whatever. I want to kind of follow my passion, my dreams, but I don't want to fail, you know, red F failure. And so I think this will kind of holds us back is that programming from way back when, you know, when we get this idea of failure and we say, and we believe it so much so that we create failure to have this existence that it's, a, uh, that it's a thing and we don't do the thing because we're afraid of the thing such as failure but but what are you what was what's what energy conversations then do you have around that uh, that whole premise of failure well i don't i don't believe anybody can fail unless they quit mm-hmm. failure is just another learning experience right i like i like that so there again, expand on that a little bit more well again i don't i don't think there's anything <sighs> How do I word this? Failure don't exist. So if you try something and it doesn't work, you just went to school. And it might have cost you a little bit, probably not as much as a school, but you learned a lesson. Well, you no, I'll take it back. You either learned the lesson or you didn't learn the lesson. So, you know, the... um. I forget who it was, Thomas Jefferson, one of these old dudes from back in the day. <laughs> they said that, you know, that's what it was. Failure, you, you can never fail unless you absolutely quit because failure is just a learning experience to grow from. And, I mean, we've we've went through failures. Uh, you know, my wife and I, we opened a, um, well, she, I should say, she opened up a um, juice bar with a couple of partners. Uh, the partnership went bad. She had to close it down. Lost a lot of money. Was super in debt. Lost a lot of money. And we could either say, "Oh my God, we failed," or we could say, like she did, she's like, "Man, I learned so many valuable lessons in this. I couldn't have paid that much in a college to learn what I learned here. Like I, I, I would have paid more and not learned as much. So she got a great learning experience out of that." And once you learn how to win, right, I say win, but once you learn how to, um, how to, how to 
get to that point where where you've won, you've you've um, created something, you're successful, you've um, expanded into them places. People can't take that away. You can uh, Trump. Here's a perfect example, and people people can say what they want to about him, but you can't dispute that he had millions and he lost it. He created it and he lost it. Well, his dad gave him a million dollars to start, but he lost it. And then he recreated it. Does dad give him another million? I don't think so. But back and forth, you know, once, once you know how to create it, you can keep creating it. You understand, you understand what it takes. So he's not a failure. He would have failed if he'd have quit. Right. He knows the ingredients in order to recreate. To recreate what he, what he created. Whether he's doing it honestly or not, that ain't right. That ain't none That's of my relevant. business. But he knows how to do it. So if we take our failures, our Fs, throw out the fear, because that's just false evidence appearing real, real, right? Right, right. So throw that out and figure out what went wrong in that and learn from that experience. Like my cacao recipe, right? So I got a cacao recipe, a, a super um, high-grade ceremonial cacao recipe. And as I put it together, I'm like, yeah, it needs a little bit more of this. Well, I document that. So it's a learning experience, right? So I put that all together. And then, so a few of them in, I've got a, a few more different things. Like last night was a little bit different. And I, it was super, super better than. Oh, for sure. For sure. Than I've ever made before. But it's because we keep documenting, we keep growing, we keep learning, we keep keep expanding our ingredients and and keeping track of that. If I had made some and it and it wasn't good, be like, okay, I just you say that I failed on making that, but I say no, I just learned how to make it better. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I won't do that again. So it's it's like that with everything in life. You find what doesn't work, how do you make that better? So it's just not stopping. Just not stopping, yeah. So why don't you uh, bless the the audience with some some final words uh, that that they can take with them? Oh, any uh, just <laughs> spew out anything and see where this <laughs> spew. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. As I as I tell my grandsons, you know, in this in these future generations are going to be awesome because as more people start to awaken and expand they'll be able to hand that to their children, to their grandchildren. So I think my grandchildren have some of the coolest grandparents. I'm just saying, because, (laughs) because we know what we know. I don't know what I don't know. And I'm still learning. Um, But as they grow older and as they, as they start into life, doing things, anything, um, jumping across a, a, a creek or a ditch or something, you know, I always hear, I can't, I can't. I can't do it, Grandpa. I can't do it. No, you can. You can. You can do anything that you set your mind to. Do it. And after they do it, they're so excited. Oh, my God, I can do it. I can do it. So I keep instilling that into them. Don't stop. Just because that one didn't work doesn't mean the next one's not going to. Get can't right out. I can't. No, you can. And then they're super excited when they can. But the most that I teach them, question everything. And I'll hear this all day long. Grandpa? Yeah, baby. Blah, blah, blah. Ask some question. Yep, this and that and this and that. Grandpa? 
and it's just nonstop. It's like question everything. Right. Question everything. Question everything. So my, my wife puts a, um, she says, Hey, you got some sharp tools, a knife and stuff, set them up out of the way. So I set them up on the counter and the little one comes in and peeks up over there and he grabs, he comes running across the room with a knife in his hand. My wife's yelling at me and, and I says, Hey, what are you doing with that? I put that up on the counter. Well, why'd you put it on the counter? Hmm. Got me. Right? Question everything. It's not his fault that he picked it up and ran through the house with a sharp knife. It was my fault that I put it on the counter where he could grab it. So I'm a little smarter. I put it up out of the, out of sight now. But yeah, I mean, we, we have to, we have to teach our children that, right? To question everything, to, to expand, to grow, to believe that you can do, to believe that you can have. We don't have to subscribe to the archaic system of, you know, how, how our parents was. I don't want to be the parent that my parents were, and they were awesome, but I don't want to be them to my children or to my grandchildren. I want to be better. I want to serve them better. I want them to have better. So we have to keep that in mind moving forward as we awaken to send that back, you know, to our to our ancestors to come. Right, for sure. Or from before. Or from before. <laughs> from the future. But I, And I love that word. So for those listening, you know, obviously question everything. Remove the word can't. No such thing as failure. Time doesn't exist. Anything's possible. Abductions, <laughs> you know, uh, past lives, dragons, and the whole nine. And, you know, we're going to have, a, we have to have a part two to this conversation because this is, For I, sure. I like just sitting back and just spewing out all kinds of just weird things and then just going back and forth. I think it's good to like, you know, we we're talking earlier, just get it out of your system. Well, that's all right. Cause I brought a barrel of weird. <laughs> right. <laughs> So with that, once again, brother, thanks for blessing not only myself, but, you know, those listening. Thank you so much. And, and, you know, much love to you. Thank you for having me.